Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I thank you so much for joining us every Sunday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Monday mornings at 1 a.m. streaming live at richarddugan.com. We are also on Spotify, SoundCloud. Uh, we are on many other pay, uh, post uh, podcasts. Lord have mercy. I hit 60 and everything's going out the ear. Uh, podcasts are on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, and many other locations. We also encourage you uh, to go to our guest website. Usually it's uh, their name is uh, in the player. Click on their name and it takes you to their website. We will be linked to our guest website so that you can continue your evolutionary process, continue your transformation uh, to uh, the better person that you were yesterday. And that's not to say you weren't good yesterday, but there's always room for improvement. And I will be the first to attest to the fact that there is always room for improvement in, uh, in this life of mine. Uh, but it's been a great life up to this point. Another, another 40 years and... Who knows? Maybe I'll have it down. Uh, we also encourage you, if you'd like to support us, we would love to uh, have support from you financially. We have PayPal and Patreon accounts for your security as well as ours. And I would like to welcome BJ Kittredge to our uh, program. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. You know, um, I, was, I was going to assume, and uh, a gentleman never assumes a lady's age, as they say, uh, you know, chivalry is not dead. It's just kind of sleeping a little. Uh, but I would attest to the fact that uh, just because you have written this, uh, this book and just because I have entered that realm, although there are so, those who say I entered when I was, in, in, I was 55. I mean, who knows when senior, senior years start. I mean, I just turned 60. So you, you have to be what, at least 55 56. I just turned 76 in June. No, really? Yes. Wow. Well, congratulations. Thank um, you. And, and you, you, you seem at the age of 76, did you say? Yes, I did. Very vibrant, very excited about life. Uh, maybe you've got another 40. Do you want another 40 years? Oh, yes. I'd like to use everything I've learned so far. Then I give you 40 more years. Okay. <laughs> But this aspect of seniors, when I was a kid growing up and watching television and, of course, learning the ins and outs of advertising, uh, you know, as a, a kid can, learning about uh, target marketing, and that back in the 70s and uh, 60s, 70s, and even into the 80s, the seniors were kind of uh, an afterthought, mm -hmm. you know, but today... Here in 2020, oh, by the way, today and 2020, the year of perfect vision where we are encouraging people to go within to find that peaceful, calm space to relax and take it easy. Despite whatever is happening on the outside, you're going to find inspiration and so on and so forth. Um, but back then, the elderly, but today we've got, we've got folks who are doing commercials of all ages as well as it seems as though the ad advertising industry has also embraced all races, or at least they're getting as many in there as they possibly can yes. to show the literal diversity of this country, let alone the planet. So do you find that 
organizations like, not that you're promoting them, AARP and, and others have made significant inroads so that the senior set, and I love, I came up with this phrase back in my 30s when I was interviewing folks and talking about senior issues, which I had no knowledge of. Seasoned citizens, how about that? I love uh, but it. Do you, do you feel those organizations have helped? And in, in what ways have they helped uh, the senior community in this country? I do think that they've been helpful. Uh, one of the, the, we are the fastest growing segment of the population right now. And one of the things that has been great about it is that they provide all kinds of resources and information and uh, knowledge is power. Uh, we have a situation where seniors now are so healthy and active that being an activist is something that we now have the luxury of time to do. Well, I mean, you aren't, you are not out as a group, you're not out there protesting, carrying signs and things of that nature for various reasons. Number one, with, with COVID virus out there, the, the senior set or seasoned citizens are at high risk. My father's 89, my mother's 86. They're doing really well. Uh, I suggested I would love to come and see you, Dad, on your birthday, uh, or even on Father's Day, or on on my mother's birthday, uh, June, August, and September, respectively. No, we, we we appreciate the sentiment, but we really would rather you not do that. And I said, okay, that's why I called first instead of jumping on a plane and surprise. Um, I do not want to be responsible if if I'm asymptomatic or what have you. So I'm staying put and we Zoom and I call them from time to time to see how they're doing. Dad's doing great. Do you feel any kind of, any sense of fear, anxiety, trepidation? Uh, do you go out much at all? Uh, well, in these I don't, times, I don't kind of have uh, fear, anxiety, and trepidation because I'm following the rules. Uh, I don't go out a lot, but when I do, I have gloves and a mask. Um, I have a very helpful neighbor whose adult daughter does my shopping. Um, I'm on the computer and, and the phone all the time. Um, I guess it hasn't, it, it hasn't uh, put a, a crimp in my style, except that I don't get the hugs that, that usually accompany human interaction. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we've seen so many beautiful expressions of kindness on, on the internet. Uh, and they usually don't end in hugs these days. But there's great appreciation. There's thank you, thank you. There's yes. all of that. Uh, but no hugs. And it's really strange to watch these, these events unfold. Talk to us about the, uh, the men and women in gray with cape tights and boots that are flying through the air to save the world. In what way are seniors saving the world? Well, I have heard many times uh, there is a situation that I'm not happy with, but I'm only one person. What can I do? And we have provided 
24 diverse answers to that question. We have individuals who have varying degrees of activism in their whole lives. Some are new to it, some have always been that way. Um, we have someone who is 95, the, the range of ages is 60 to 95. And we have someone who is 95, a doctor who still flies his own plane, uh, goes down to the southern border to, uh, he's a, a child psychiatrist, to um, try to help the kids who are separated from their families. Uh, does a lot of, of uh, teaching and consulting. Uh, has really literally written the books on how to do an intervention with, with children who have experienced trauma. Then we have someone who uh, was a, an activist in college, uh, is now a, a talented artist, and she teaches art in a men's prison. And in order to do that, she had to have a, a, a companion. And that person was only the beginning of others who were interested in it. So, um, and that's a person who has multiple uh, tasks that, that she uh, uses to help. Uh, things called care calendars in, in uh, the community. If there's someone who has a specific need, she goes online and talks to the person and, and sets up a calendar for a, a whole month of people who will help them. Mm. We have someone who uh, is very interested in uh, adult literacy and has found that going to libraries and helping them to learn to be able to write their own skits and, and plays is a great way because it has a, a goal, a purpose that, that they can be invested in. Well, that's interesting because I'm involved with a group of actors <coughs> who <clears throat> are putting on Zoom theater plays. Uh, one of the actors writes them, and then we get together on Zoom. We did just as of this conversation just last night, and uh, we record the Zoom, and we set it up. Okay, is this play, do you want this in speaker mode, or do you want this in gallery view? And once we've determined that, <clears throat> then we go from there and, and we then do a rehearsal. We will, I'll even record it because sometimes the rehearsal is perfect. We're going to use that one. And then I take it and I edit it in the video editor. And then on a given night, and I believe um, we had one on early J July of this year uh, where we featured uh, two or three plays. And I was still learning at that time about the video editing and doing all of these things and screen sharing and what have you. And apparently one of the plays that we, we, sh we shared, uh, they want to see again. And I've been working on, on, we had a little malfunction apparently when my, uh, when my director said, well, it's out of sync. Just, I mean, it's just barely out of sync, voice to video. I said, okay, well, let me see what I, and I find, I think I fixed it. And so uh, people want to see it and people, because they can't get out and watch these other things. So, um, hey, maybe there's the possibility we could do some synchronicity here and maybe have some of these actors perform 
uh, some of these plays, uh, screenplays that this individual you're talking about, if, if there's a connection that you have there. That would be an incredible opportunity, I think, to now be able to see what you've been creating yeah. come to life. If it's only on the, <laughs> I don't know if they're silver screens, but be that as it may. Uh, and, um, and if you don't know what that is, folks, Google it. Okay. Um, but, uh, it, it just seems to me that we're all, you know, pretty much everybody is trying to figure out, okay, what's my, what's my life now? What am I, what am I doing now? My dad is 89. As I mentioned, my dad, uh, I even, I even made the comment to him and I'm not sure if it was appropriate or not. Um, I'm wishing him a happy birthday and so forth. And, you know, and, uh, I made the comment to him something along the lines of, you know, and Hey, you know, I, I would love you to stick around a lot longer if you can't, if you want, but you know, stay here on this pl planet as long as you want, you know, and when you're ready to go, please don't, don't mind us. We'll be okay. You know? Um, and I'm not sure that that was an appropriate thing to say to him <clears throat> because, you know, because, but he's in good health. So it's not like, you know, he's in on his deathbed or anything. Yes. But do you ever, uh, and are, are you connected with other seniors? I keep wanting to say seasoned citizens who uh, sometimes they have those days where it's like, oh, I just want to go to sleep and never wake up. No. That's um, got to be hard. It's hard not to be connected to somebody like that. Well, it's not just that, but in terms of it's got to be hard as a 70, 80, even 95-year-old. You've God, you've lived through so much. You've seen so much. And now you're seeing a bunch of other stuff going on that you just can't believe is happening, the pandemic in particular. Yeah. Uh, you could look at politics. You could look at the various movements going on. My God, we did this, quote, unquote, in the, in the, in the 60s. I thought we, you know, we were much better yeah. than this and on and on. And uh, I often say of, of um, one, of the, one of our slogans here on Tell Me Your Story is looking for those new ways of living because the old ways aren't working. Just look around you. And with the pandemic, now look around and see how well the old ways are working. So we need to find those new ways of living. My dad's 89. He's got to be, I, I would think, a little frustrated. And I'm only 60. And I am, you know, it's like, come on, human beings. Get with the program. Do you ever is there ever a feeling of not not having any hope for the future and it's like yeah, okay yeah. i and i want out <laughs> no no um, okay. i one of the things that um came out of, of our uh, research for the book was the uh data that show we have two very important features that uh are really sort of insurance about aging well. The first one is that we have to have a goal. Everybody has to have a goal, a reason to get up in the morning. Uh, the other thing is that you need to be engaged. You have to have some sense of community, some sense of uh, affiliation, belonging, whether it's a large group, a small group, a family group, uh, but not the, the one person as an island doesn't cut it. And for that reason, I think, especially when you get to senior status, I think that we have lived through 
so many things, uh, the wars, the conflicts, the uh, turmoil of the 60s, uh, things that at times I didn't think we were going to see the end of. Mm. And now I know that we are capable of, of being creative and, and problem solve. And, and uh, so hope doesn't, that hope doesn't have an age barrier. So would you use the phrase hope springs eternal? I would, but I wouldn't want to be cliche. <laughs> <laughs> well, then it's on me. Um, <laughs> there have been those, my, my wife, <clears throat> my second wife, who is 69, as of this conversation, and she wants to retire. And I would like to let her retire. Although I have to say that from her, from her being furloughed for three months, from March to June of 2020, and the things that she did or didn't do, which again, I have no judgment. I told her, I says, hey, if you just want to lay around and watch TV for the next three months, that's that's on you in the sense that I shouldn't say that's on you. Uh, that's up to you because you've earned it. You've earned this 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 uh, 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 rest period. But I also told her, I says, consider this, so to speak, um, a rehearsal or trial run for retirement. What are you going to do? OK. And. <clears throat> Yet, if we could do it economically, I'd let her retire today. You know, I would let her do that. See, because I tell people that the only retirement I'm going to be doing is on my 2014 Ford F-150, putting new tires on that truck. Uh, and that, um, it's funny, one of my uh, coworkers found a, a, a picture of this. I, say, I tell people, I say, look, they're going to have to pull my cold, dead carcass off the console because I love doing this. I love producing. I love uh, editing. I love interviewing. I love the, all of the aspects of this business of, of broadcasting and podcasting and whatever else you want to call it. Are you finding, and for you yourself in this, this context of um, uh, being a, a seasoned citizen, being and i don't even know if you're retired because i i'm hearing that a lot of 70 year olds and even 80 year olds who are still out there actively working maybe they're volunteering but that's still work still takes energy talk to us a little bit about first of all do you have any information on when this concept of retirement entered into our society here in the west I don't have um, information. I have uh, a supposition. I think that after the Second World War, people were accustomed, men particularly, were accustomed to coming back to a job where they stayed until it was time for the gold watch. And then they stopped working in that particular occupation. The thing that has occurred in, in uh, this part of the century uh, and the last is that we have another chapter. Uh, I grew up making lists. I still make lists. And I, uh, they could put on my tombstone, she always had a plan B. Mm. 
because <laughs> I'm always curious about, you know, what comes next. How am I going to handle things? And I've had very uh, fulfilling professional and personal and family uh, times. This chapter, I, I, my partner Thelma and I call it unretirement because we've spent the last two years working on the book. And um, at the moment, I'm sure that, that uh, in the back of our minds, the ideas that we have for the next one are stirring. Uh, so I think that it has to, you have to uh, nurture your passion and play to your strengths. And I realized that the things that I have seen in my 76 years have given me some insights into some similarities about what we're doing now. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that, that, that everything is, to me, is a transferable skill. So whatever your toolbox has, you can bring to the next thing. And uh, what we found also is that people who are in their senior years have uh, a real creative and imaginative uh, way of going beyond themselves to help someone else or others as a group. And those are the things that, that really enhance your energy. So I think my energy used to be at, let's say, a level 13 for six hours a day. I think I'm down to a level eight, and it's probably four hours a day. But I make those hours count, and uh, I, the people that we've interviewed are exactly the same way. It's like, what's next? And if you have just joined us, we are talking with, uh, I would consider, a very fascinating woman who is, is sharing with us her 76 years of wisdom. Uh, do you consider yourself, and this is maybe a misnomer, uh, but uh, do you consider yourself having lived, um, I don't know, say past 60 or 65 or 70, to be wise and and is there an importance to sharing uh, that kind of wisdom if you do feel that way i do feel that way uh which is one of the reasons that uh, i subscribe to what my grandmother used to say uh, i wish i had as many years ahead of me as i have behind me so that i could use everything i've learned uh, life's experiences whether they are uh, learned or uh, lived, are the kinds of things that uh, affect judgment, uh, build a deeper sensitivity. Uh, and those skills that you use to cope with things that are a challenge are what we can use now. Uh, and I think finding the place that uh, you want to share it is very important. And if you have a passion for something, that's really very useful because there, it's, it's, like, um, it's like making a vegetable soup. Every vegetable adds its own flavor. Mm -hmm. 
You know, that's interesting that you say that because uh, my wife, who is a very good cook, uh, sometimes she will uh, have her own creations. Other times she will take somebody else's creation that oh. might be in a package. And then she just starts adding great stuff to it. She just starts adding some incredible things to it that are, are just amazing. And uh, I, I just really find that interesting that, that uh, we seem like we get a little bit more creative as life goes on. As we, and this, I have to tell you that when I heard about coronavirus, and when I heard about the, the, uh, uh, the, the, the lockdown, which we experienced here in March, and my wife's furlough in March, I, again, I was not excited about the fact that people were going to get it and some people were going to die. By, by no means. I didn't want anybody to be hurt, be hurt by it. But I was excited about the new opportunities that were coming that we didn't even know existed. Is that something that you kind of felt as well along the way? Well, I certainly did. Uh, it seems to me that we've, we've gone uh, page by page, chapter by chapter through this uh, challenge. And I think that there are, sometimes it's easier to say, oh, why not do this than it is to just uh, accept and, and sit back. And um, the challenge of an example is also very important. We have lots of people in uh, our lives and in, in the country who serve as very strong role models and give us the opportunity to do the kinds of, of uh, risk-taking in, in the, not in the, the dangerous sense, but uh, rather than just accept the status quo to try to find ways to work around it. Of course, as I said earlier on the, in the program, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, we're looking for those new ways of living because the old ways just aren't working. And of course you, in a pandemic, the old ways just won't work and you've got to come up with new and, and creative ways of doing things. And then of course there is this other aspect of the, what was it? Uh, the American, the American uh, spirit. And uh, yes, the can do attitude, except that uh, part of that can do attitude tends to infringe on the rights and uh, liberties and so forth of other, other Americans uh, that my individual rights are more important. I have every right to walk around without a mask. I have a right to get as close as I want to anybody uh, and so forth. And there are people who are getting their comeuppance because they're contracting the virus. They're experiencing the, the, the pain and the suffering. And they're beginning to realize, oh, oh, I see now. Okay, I get it. Instead of getting it beforehand. How do you, uh, how do you share that message that, yes, you have your individual rights. You have your constitutional rights and nobody is you know, violating federal law with me with, from the Declaration of Independence, uh, promoting the general welfare and securing the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. You've got grandchildren, right? Yes, I do. You want to you give this, this place to your grandchildren to do with as they would like. 
Well, how are you going to do that if, let's just say, you go out, you contract it, and you go ahead and you hug your grandkids and your kids and so on and so forth. They contract it. We don't know what the mortality rate's going to be there. It could be horrific. You could wipe out your whole family. Uh, how do you share that message as a seasoned citizen? I think that the, the uh, example of being a role model is the most persuasive. It's, it's what we used to say when we had young children, don't do as I do, do as I say. <laughs> it doesn't work. So uh, demonstrating how things can be accomplished without endangering other people is, to me, the, the most um, informed way to accomplish that. Because I do think that that the line between my personal rights and that of uh, the, the group we call humanity, uh, that shouldn't get blurred. We have yeah. to remember that everyone enjoys the same God-given rights. Yeah. Well, it's, it's one of those issues that we have to deal with as a society, uh, just because it's being forced upon us in a matter of speaking by people who are saying, look, I have the constitutional right. I, I, hey, I have no problem with you exercising your constitutional rights whatsoever. You know, I mean, more power to you. But what about the rest of us? We also have constitutional rights. And some people say that, oh, but you see, you've got to sacrifice your individual liberties for the collective. And I say, no, you don't. You do not have to. I am not sacrificing my individual liberties and rights. I am exercising them by taking into consideration the rights of others to breathe freely. I find it interesting that this particular virus is attacking the respiratory system, whereas the influenza usually attacks the, um, at least some of them, attacks the digestive, the gastrointestinal system. And they're all, they all, there's, they, apparently there's a virus for every system of the human body. <laughs> but um, I say I'm not sacrificing. I'm exercising my constitutional right to care about the rest of society. Um, you've lived 76 years. You've been through, <clears throat> I mean, my parents were born at the beginning of the depression, made it through World War II. My dad did not serve because of his visual impairment, uh, just as I did not serve uh, during any period of, from the uh, 1978 forward because I was legally blind myself. Um, what about your thoughts as you were moving through time and you're wanting to be a part of the collective community uh, that was, uh, and from this is from my perspective, we've only had one, the last time we had a collective connectedness, and I mean a real connectedness, was the Apollo program back in, in the 60s with the landing on the moon. We have never had a collective, uh, consciously collective uh, uh, group of Americans, let alone worldwide, who were all focused on the same thing, all hoping that it would be successful. I mean, even with Apollo 13, oh my God, we were scared out of our minds. Are we going to have these guys orbiting the earth in that tomb for, for eternity? 
And thank God we they, they came back and, and the, the entire planet breathed a sigh of relief and everybody was so excited and there was so much great energy and we've never had that since. In my observation, can you point to anything since then? I think the 9-11 the experience brought many people together. Um, I saw a lot of, of uh, strength and consolation. Uh, a mm -hmm. lot of uh, people expressing and, and uh, demonstrating their values. And okay. that was a situation that couldn't be politicized because it wasn't political. And uh, we had the collective sense to remember what this country is all about. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, and, and I, of course, um, uh, find it interesting, too, that... Um, here we have, in a manner of speaking, we have something similar with the, with the coronavirus, COVID-19. But it's not just affecting the United States. It's affecting everybody around the world at some level, in some way, in some fashion. And yet, unlike, as you have described in your observations, 9-11, uh, it galvanized this country and certainly uh, hearts went out from around the world at that time. I remember that. Um, that uh, we are, we have not, um, uh, we are not united. And the one thing that I constantly remember, whether you want to use a biblical phrase or you want to use a, a cliche, a house divided against itself cannot, will not stand. And it's one of the things that I keep reminding myself of as I hear all of these different voices who all have the absolute right to speak out. Where does the seasoned citizen voice uh, come from? I mean, there are some who they're just, they're not well enough to get out there and stand up and say, hey, man, you know, we have value too. Is it not true that in other cultures down through history, uh, the, the seniors, the elderly, the elders, they were kept in the tribe. They were kept in the community, in the village. And information was gleaned from them that the people knew that these people have lived a life and they've learned a lot and they have a lot to show us. That does not exist here in the United States much, does it? At least on a collective level. On a collective level, I don't think that it does. But I do think that the, the kinds of experiences uh, with uh, the Native Americans, for instance, is a, a great model. Um, I do think that we have, uh, we have to recall each of us, what our values are, where they come from, and what we're willing to stand up for. Lots of ways to stand up without carrying a, a sign. And is, that motivation usually comes for someone in senior years from having seen many ways of dealing with things, successful and unsuccessful. And also from the reinforcement of, of what is important to us. What do we really value? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Well, it's, it's, um, it is something to consider. There's a, there's a phrase, and I say this with all respect. 
uh, that there's a, there's a, there would be a particular uh, elderly woman in the village, in the community, in the tribe, who would be referred to as the old crone. But that was actually a title. It wasn't meant derogatorily, if that's a word. Um, she was the woman who might live in a, a little hobble way back deep in the forest, maybe. And that you would trek whatever distance you would trek in order to, in order to, um, what do I want to say? Gain wisdom. Maybe she was an herbalist. She was an alchemist. And she, you would go there for what ails you. <laughs> Makes me think of the song, I put the, wine, the lime in the coconut, drank them both up. <laughs> Called the doctor, woke him up and said, doctor, I'm not feeling good. Uh, what do I do? And of course, he, the recipe is the do hair of the dog. You know, put the wine, lime in the coconut and drink them both up and call me in the morning. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's, that was the role uh, of uh, this particular individual. Um, she, was, she was there, or it could have been a man. I'm not sure what the... Uh, I'm not sure what the male derivative thereof. I don't know that they'd be called a wizard per se. Uh, I don't know what the opposite of old crone is, but nonetheless, old crank. <laughs> <laughs> but that's in our modern times. The guy sitting on the porch telling the kids, get off my lawn. Um, what, uh, what are some of the most <clears throat> profound lessons you have learned in your Short, scant, 76 years on this planet. I think the most important lesson that I've learned uh, occurred when uh, I had my daughter, when she, she was born. Uh, without realizing it, suddenly I had all my ducks in a row. I didn't have to examine what's important, what comes first, uh, what would I do if it was part of an instinctive uh, reaction to parenthood. That is the kind of thing that has, has really sustained me over the years. Mm. I still know what's important. Uh, I still have a voice that, that uh, has value. And I'm also willing to be patient and listen to others to try to absorb what they're saying rather than be judgmental and dismissive. Hmm. Well, I, I don't want to be the cranky old man that uh, sits on the porch and says, kids, get off my lawn. Your music's terrible. I don't know. It's the devil's music. I, uh, I made it a point back in my 20s that I would not become that old guy and that I would develop an appreciation, even if it wasn't my favorite music and I wasn't going to click like or anything like that. Every expression, for example, of music is just that it's an expression of that individual or that particular uh, culture uh, at that time. Mm -hmm. And we've seen artists over the years. I know, I know you have over the years whose message sometimes would change. Um, uh, my father, who uh, loves Glenn Campbell and Marty Robbins and Hootenanny, 
uh, my mother who loves uh, Lena Horne and, and many of the others from the, uh, the 50s and, of course, into the 60s and so forth. Um, I, I've listened to some of that music, and I was lucky to interview them on this program as well. And I asked them about the, um, the, the importance of music in their lives. And it was extremely important, especially considering the fact that whenever we would go on road trips, my dad was teaching us and we would learn songs, you know, uh, Oh, you are my sunshine was one of them and, and, and so forth. But it's, uh, what about your, your perspective of the change in cultures over 76 years, certainly in your early days, you know, you didn't care. You know, you were a kid and you wanted to play and that was all that there was. But as you got into your teens and twenties and thirties and so forth, you began to see things maybe a little differently. What were the influences that sort of mapped or f fashioned your philosophical view of life, society, the world and beyond? Well, from home, um, I grew up with the, the kinds of values that we can find in the great uh, documents of the country, the Constitution, the Declaration. Uh, but I was an only child. And um, I don't know if it would have been different if I had had a sibling. My father taught me how to use hand tools, how things worked. Um, I, I was evidently a very inquisitive child. And he always encouraged more questions. So I went out into a world and eventually became a single parent and had to work in a, a male-dominated society. Uh, and I felt like I had a foot in each world because I was born in 44. My father was born in 1918. So I had a foot in that world. But I also was a child of the 60s and believed totally in, in the, the kinds of, of opportunities that should be available to everyone, regardless of whatever the difference is. So I think that those are the things, those are also the things that I fought for. Um, I've never, I've always, uh, been outspoken and direct, and uh, and I feel an obligation. When, although my judgment and my patience is uh, more inspired at this age than it was in my twenties. Um, and one so of are you saying things, you're one of you saying that you're one of those who now that you're in your sixties seventies. You can say whatever you want and because either A, nobody's listening, or B, you don't care whether they're listening or not, you're going to say it. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> I, I know there are some. Think, yeah. I've, I've uh, developed a deeper sensitivity and a, a better understanding of when something is important enough to say and which battle should be fought. It seems like uh, there's another 70-some-year-old uh, individual who hasn't learned the lesson yet that you can catch more flies with honey than vinegar, <laughs> uh, which is an old saying that uh, I think my mother used to use, among others. Another one was stop being so facetious. Uh, I have always loved that word when she would use it, and I finally figured out what it meant. 
shut up <laughs> in one sense, in one sense. But um, it does seem that, that in this day and age, but it's not exclusive to this day and age, that we have forgotten that old saying that you can get more uh, uh, flies with honey than you can with vinegar. Uh, but there's a lot, I mean, I, I don't know, the vinegar plants are overflowing these days. Uh, and people don't want to listen. They're right. And I love this saying. I don't know if you've ever heard this or not. It was one I heard just, uh, just a little while ago, uh, you know, a few weeks or months ago. You know, <clears throat> you and I, we both might, uh, we both, uh, how's the phrase go? Okay, we can't both be right, but we could both be wrong. Excellent. I have not heard that. Yeah. And it's one of those that uh, speaks to me of uh, uh, another phrase that was given to me in, tw in my 20s, early 20s, because I thought I was so smart. Uh, but the universe has a way of, um, of uh, um, uh, cutting me down to size, uh, giving me my comeuppance when my, I get too big for my britches. And it was a phrase that has stayed with me since. It is better to begin with doubt and end in certainty than to begin in certainty and end in doubt. Uh, and I would rather hear someone say, I don't know. And I think from a philosophical standpoint, when people take a particular position with their beliefs, um, I think the agnostic position is the most honest because the agnostic position says, I don't know. I'm, I believe these things, but I don't know. That's why I've always loved Larry King. I used to listen to him in the 80s when I used to uh, produce the local version uh, on uh, our, our local news talk station back in Phoenix. And he would talk about that. He says, no, I'm not an atheist. And I don't adhere to any other. I, I'm an agnostic because I don't know. I just don't know. He used to have a guy call in every so often wanting to give, uh, wanting to take the baseball scores to prove that God existed. And Larry would constantly ask him, well, why can't you tell me uh, what the scores are going to be tomorrow, you know, Mets, Yankees, uh, you know, when they're playing or whoever they're playing, you know. And uh, the guy would never do it, you know, and it was, it was actually a source of humor, uh, but more than anything else. But I just think that that's, that's more honest and I don't know. I'm searching. And, you know, I'm only 60 and, and I, have, I have some answers today, but they may not be there tomorrow because I'm still alive. I'm still experiencing. What about you? There are some things that I believe are uh, immutable. Civility, um, <clears throat> respect, mm -hmm. um, and, and uh, not everything can stand the test of situational ethics. Mm -hmm. So I think that um, my values have not changed, which doesn't mean that I have never changed my mind. But I've always seen the goal mm -hmm. and had a sense of, of decency. Um, I think one of the, the, the problems with all of the uh, 
social communications that we have is that you can, it's like uh, firing a gun before you aim. And people <laughs> are, are accustomed to uh, being able to say whatever they want, uh, which can be harmful, not just hurtful, but harmful. And uh, that's a lack of respect. Mm. I would agree with you there. By the way, I find it interesting, um, especially in this day when, of course, the Civil War and all that goes along with it is is up for grabs, so to speak. People are uh, against it and for it and the monuments and on and on and on and on. I find it fascinating that it's called the Civil War. There was nothing civil about it. Yes. As a matter of fact, am I, I don't know if I'm correct in this, but it's the only, it's, we, we killed more human beings in that war than in any of the wars since that we've been involved in. I, I think, think that's, that's right. correct. And it's like, why is it, I, I mean, I know the word civil has more to do with uh, an inter struggle and an inner struggle within the country. That's why they refer to it as a civil war because it's, you know, it's like if you have a family and you've got dissension, you've got sort of a, you know, but it just, when I thought about that, I think mean, civil, we're trying to be civil and everybody's quoting. And somebody even said, we are in a, we're in another civil war now here in the 21st century because of all the, the amazing polarity, the protest on and on and on and on. And uh, I'm wondering, um, do you, I, I, I even think of that, yeah, that gentleman, I think he was 75, who got pushed over by one of the police officers that was on the video and the whole thing. And uh, there were accusations that he was acting and so forth. And yet he was injured pretty good. I, I wouldn't want to act into that. No, thank you. At any age. Um, but it just seems to me that, or let me rephrase to a question to you, does it seem to you that the seasoned citizen set, if you will, group, community in this country is uh, almost treated like aliens? And I don't mean aliens from another country. I mean from another planet. Uh, and and is, that, is that an observation you see? And is that good or bad? Um, I couldn't say that it was good. I don't see it as much now as I did in uh, other years. Mm -hmm. uh, I think to go back to your, your reference to the Civil War, there are many historians who call it the war between the states, which Better. is more accurate yes. and, and easier to agree with. And I think that that's a basic uh, need in human interaction we have to agree on the definitions so that we're speaking the same language. And it takes some patience and some listening and, and sometimes some refinement, but we're not going to make any progress if we stay in our own silos and refuse to, to cross the line. Of course, the, 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 uh, current nomenclature would be echo chambers. Silos is working too because it's a big echo chamber. 
Uh, it's one of the reasons why I've always felt that the best format for radio in particular would be uh, a news talk and information station that derived its news from a multiplicity of sources, uh, regardless of the bent. Okay, yes, you would have maybe a uh, top of the hour Fox News and at the bottom of the hour CNN News and AP and if UPI still existed. And then again, just from all different perspectives, it's one of the reasons why I love watching Sky News uh, because I get stories, first of all, that I would not get here in the States, but I give it, get a different perspective uh, of other stories from other parts of the world. And it's, it's just astounding um, when I talk with people around the world on this program, whether it be from England or Ireland or India. Uh, I think I've even spoken with a woman from Africa and, uh, uh, and so forth. Uh, and Japan as well. And other places, Australia. Uh, they give me a different view of myself and the, the American experiences you as it were from an outsider some would say well what that's not right because they're on the outside looking in it says yeah they are and they're looking and they're listening and um i mean it's, it's almost as if we need to think of these people looking in as our parents would you do that in front of your parents would you say that in front of your parents um as you were growing up what were your observations of the seasoned citizen set well, I come from a long line of, of women who live almost forever. Uh, my mother <laughs> wow. lived to be 92. My grandmother's 91. Uh, and fortunately, they were coherent, uh, had the usual kinds of uh, infirmities you would expect when you inflict that many years on the body. Um, but I do remember my great-grandmother, who died when I was 19, and she only sat in a chair. Hmm. Once her children were grown, her husband had died, uh, my great-grandfather. And she, I never saw her do anything but get up and cook and go back to the chair. And we have so many more choices now. And that's the thing. We live longer. We live healthier. We have uh, the opportunities and to have experiences that that generation would never have had. And I think those are the kinds of things that uh, when I was a kid, I was raised with uh, a reverence for the elderly and for the elders in the family. Um, and when you didn't agree with something, you listened anyway. And I think that it's a, a, an important feature of learning how to function in a society together, because I think that we've become uh, such crusaders for our own opinions, mm -hmm. uh, which everybody thinks are correct. Well, I had a wonderful experience a week or so ago on this program with a guest who we were chatting about um, bias. And I expressed my observations on a particular issue. And he says, well, let me, let me challenge that. And he shared his perspective on the issue we were talking about. And as soon as he was finished, I said, well, there goes another one of my straw houses up in flame. 
And, you know, his observation was uh, certainly more, much more logical and, and well thought out. Not that mine was a terrible position to be in, but what was even better about it was the fact that I could see his perspective and I could see where, my, where the flaws were in mine and saying, look, okay, I need to reevaluate that. I need to look at that from a different perspective. And we promote that on this program. We have an event that's going on inside of a circle. And we are standing on the edge of the circle on the different points that make up the circle. And what we want to do is move from one point to another to get a different perspective. And uh, he was a different perspective. And I'm hoping that other people were listening to what he was saying and to what you're saying as well. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting how, um, you know, I, I, I talk quite a bit about uh, the, the, um, the inalienable rights uh, endowed by our creator, whatever you want to call the creator, they're endowed there. And uh, they're not all listed. The only three are listed. I find that fascinating because I know they had more parchment around somewhere. <laughs> in the desk drawer, but they talk about life and liberty. And then they talk, those are things that the inalienable uh, uh, rights of life and liberty, get, those are given. Those are ours. But not happiness. The pursuit of happiness, you can have that, but you can't have happiness. Now, that's not what it means, of course, I know, but it's just the way that it's phrased. And I'm curious about your life and your, if you will, pursuit of happiness or even throughout your life, the attainment thereof for however, whatever duration of time it, it was with you. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit about your pursuit of happiness in your 76 years? Um, I was lucky. I was born with a positive outlook. Um, I've always been able to uh, take the curiosity that goes with me everywhere and uh, find that recipe for lemonade. And I don't want to sound like a Pollyanna because I'm not. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think that when you're realistic, you have the opportunity to make a choice. You can sit back and, and be miserable. You can complain or you can actively try to make something that's better than what you're faced with. Well, I've been very, very lucky that way in my life. Uh, uh, lots of wonderful mentors and uh, opportunities. Well, you've touched upon a word we use over and over and over again on this program having to do with choices and knowledge of those choices to help make one's dreams come true. And when I say knowledge, it is because I don't know if you've ever heard of this particular choice before. So my guest is going to share that with you. And now you have another choice that you could make. You don't have to. We're not saying this is the end all and be all uh, with B.J. Uh, Kittredge. What we are saying is that it's a possibility. And that's why I was referring to the incredible opportunities that are out there during this particular period of time in our, in our lives, in our present. I don't want to say our history because we're living it. Um, is, is that kind of uh, a, a, a precursor, if you will, for uh, the pursuit and the finding, the acquiring of happiness from time to time is that we 
it's not even a question of optimism. It's a question of choices and learning more about the diverse choices that are out there that we didn't even know about yesterday. I would definitely agree with that. Uh, I, it's the kind of, of, it's a point of view. Uh, if you focus only on something that is very close to you and you don't stand back and, and see how it looks, you have no vision of the whole, which is why I think that, that uh, the global citizen concept is so important because when you have a relationship where you interact with somebody who's different in some kind of way and, and maybe uh, the opposite of what you expect from yourself, mm -hmm. you do I have the opportunity to listen and understand. You don't have to choose to agree, but that listening uh, is vital. Are you familiar with, I believe his name is Larry Davis, and the documentary, The World is My Country. And back, he was a song and dance man in the movies. He was actually Danny Kaye's stand-in. Oh. Uh, and folks, if you don't know who that is, Google it. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I got to get rid, I got to get some residuals from Google for, for sending people there. In any event, uh, you know, he was actually in the military, I think in World War II, and he went through a lot of stuff. And he finally came to the realization that the, the, the world is my country. I, I don't belong to the uh, United States or this or that or the other country. And he actually was able to create a passport. There are passports you can now get as a world citizen. But there are those, uh, BJ, that are really afraid of, uh, uh, you know, the wor one world being a, a country, as it were, because they're afraid of the quote-unquote one world government and the new world order and the Illuminati and the Trilateral Commission and the Council on Foreign Relations and all of that stuff that may or may not be true, and I don't care. Uh, I don't put energy into that. But at the same time, I know that that attitude is out there. That fear is out there. Um, being a one world citizen, is that something that if, if that were possible for you to become a one world citizen, would you, would you pursue something like that? In a heartbeat. Well, then I'll get you the link. <laughs> I'm working on it myself, both my wife and I. And many countries do acknowledge it. You will be able to go, but not all of them do. And by the way, I found out that at least at last count, there are 195 countries on the planet. So anytime you hear the UN, uh, uh, references to the UN and how many uh, countries voted this way and that way and the other, uh, if they don't total 195, there are some that are not participants, uh, which is, I suppose, fine. You know, they don't want to do it. But uh, it's very interesting. I didn't realize that there were 195 countries. Uh, and I only learned that when I started Googling the, uh, the pandemic numbers across the globe. And that's kind of how I found out how many countries there were. Uh, of course, I don't know that Antarctica is considered a country per se. Your heritage, your lineage. A lot of people are talking about that today. I had my DNA checked. And as a kid growing up, after being told my heritage by my parents, I would tell people, I'm Heinz 57, because I'm, I'm from all over the world. 
And so when I had my DNA tested about five years ago, uh, it was confirmed that I was from, or I am from, five of the seven continents. I'm not from Antarctica, nor am I from Australia, but I'm from all other, the other five. So five out of seven, 57. I was right as a kid. What about your heritage? And then not necessarily specifically where you're from, but the importance of maybe researching it, getting in touch with it, and, and maybe uh, it teaching you something about who you are, maybe why you are. Uh, you know, you can kind of get that from your, your, your family tree, from those who are still alive. Uh, that's why people are so encouraged to talk to their elders before they're gone. What about your heritage in that regard? How important is that to you? And, and this is sort of tied into the concept of the one world citizen. Well, uh, it's very important to me because I was raised that way. The, um, the culture that we had, we celebrated Christmas and Easter. Uh, we had other kinds of, of uh, foods and traditions. And it gave me a sense of affiliation, of belonging, and who I was. Um, I think that it's important to realize that even if you have the DNA analysis, you don't have to use it to interact with other people. Life is not for spectators. It's, yeah. it's for participants and taking one step forward into the fear of the unknown uh, kind of gives you the, ins the instant uh, recognition that a second step is possible. Uh, I really think appealing to the best in human nature is one of the answers because we certainly have seen the beast. When you share this kind of, your particular philosophy, your beliefs and so forth with your children as they were growing up, was that, is that something that your children have allowed you to sort of share with your grandchildren in that regard? Or, hey, look, mom, look, we're raising our kids, you know, back off. <laughs> no, it's, they, they are, uh, inquisitive and conscious of uh, the uh, heritage that sort of brought them to where they are today. Sometimes I think of life as a, a railroad system. And when I look backwards, I see all the stations that I've hit to get me to where I am today. And I think that that's the way it is with heritage also. Yeah. You have to be able to, uh, feel some sort of identity that you can contribute. Mm -hmm. And uh, the kids, the kids are all wrapped up in that too. And, and not to an exclusive point where uh, they become isolated. Hmm. Well, I will tell you that uh, learning about my heritage I didn't change my view of self per se. I more confirmed what I had been saying as a kid growing up. 
and it also opened up a door uh, for me to better understand, for example, I'm also uh, from the native uh, uh, or indigenous peoples from North, South and Central America, the Americas, if you will, going back yeah. uh, years and years and years. And yet when I was living in Phoenix for 46 years, I didn't want to have anything to do with the native tribes because I felt that my wanting to learn and, and learn about them and the, the medicine and so on and the history and the, and the stories was sort of an infringement on the culture. I didn't want to infringe. And now I realize you're not infringing. It's part of who and what you are. So now you get to learn more. And so we're, we're in the process of trying to get members of, we've had a, a Chumash Indian uh, uh, here on this program. He, he is a, an, an elder and uh, he has shared with us about the medicine, if you will, uh, of uh, Chumash and about some of the stories from here on the Central Coast. And he made one of the most fascinating statements to me. He says, yes, I am Chumash, he says, but you are the new Chumash because you live here now and you are a, a conscious and you are awake and aware of what needs to, uh, what needs to be done. And, um, uh, you know, I, I couldn't agree with you more in terms of the understanding and awareness as far as, uh, as far as all of this is concerned. This is really great. BJ Kittredge is my guest, and I thank you uh, for uh, all of the insight that you're sharing with us here on the program. It's, it's one of those, uh, in my opinion, one of those aspects that we need to to cultivate how seniors are saving the world and they are uh, briefly before we wrap up the program, would you share a bit with us about Thelma Reese, your co-author? Thelma and I uh, have uh, common friends and uh, this is her third book. The first two were written with a very good friend of hers uh, named Bobby Fleischer, who unfortunately died before the, the second book was released. And, her idea for this third book uh, was something that she presented to me because she prefers to write with a partner. And it turned out that after a few one-on-one -on -one, uh, activities, we were in the same place philosophically and, and uh, in terms of values. And we believe very strongly this is a book that needed to be written and two years ago when we started, we didn't realize how timely it would be today. So uh, she has a vast professional experience. She's been everywhere from university teaching to uh, working with the Mayor's uh, Council on Literacy in Philadelphia uh, and many, many other things. She's a fabulous, loyal friend and uh, the dearest partner I could ever ask for. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining us here on the program. It's been a great pleasure, and I'm looking forward to uh, having you back in the near future to talk more about this. This is, uh, to me, uh, really, it's, it's, it's something that we all need to get in touch with, in my opinion. Yes. Uh, and I could be wrong. <laughs> yes. I could be wrong, but I'd like to think that um, it's coming from a place of curiosity, which is where I come from. Even though I stay on this program that uh, the universe is asking the questions, I'm just along for the ride. 
BJ uh, Kittrich, BJ Kittrich, I want to thank you again for joining us on the program, sharing with us uh, a lot about yourself, uh, as well as about how seniors are saving the world. Uh, I'd like to know uh, how I go about getting my uh, superhero senior season citizen uh, uh, membership card. Well, you can go to our website, which is senioractivism.com. You can go to the blog www.elderchicks, which is for men and women, or you can go to Amazon and buy the book. And we encourage people to do that. We will be linked to the website as well so that people can uh, get more information and follow you and do whatever it is necessary to become a member of this, uh, the seniors activism. Uh, I I consider myself uh, to be a member of that group. Uh, but more uh, an activist for change uh, that benefits all of us, not just the select few, you know. And I tell you what, uh, when, when I have um, a six-figure balance in my bank account, uh, although I've, I've started already, but then I'm going to start to contribute to many of the organizations that are out there trying to change this world. And I also say too, BJ, that's not to say that this is an awful, terrible, icky world. We need to get out of here. Uh, I I loved this. This was on a t-shirt. There is no planet B. And uh, I thought that was a great line. And uh, so I want to make this, uh, I want to make this a better place. I want to turn this place around so that everybody can benefit uh, everybody has, uh, has the choice to, to do what they want to do, you know, but, um, what about the collective? I mean, would you do, and this is for those who are expressing their individual rights, which again, you have every right to, I'm not complaining in that regard, but would you behave that way to your immediate family? Would you say that to your children, to your husband, your wife, you know, uh, your other, your brothers or your sisters? Would you make that kind of a statement that, no, I'm going to put you all at risk because I have the constitutional right, and I'm not knocking that either. Uh, Let's start thinking about and exercising our constitutional rights, not bashing people over the head with them like a Louisville slugger. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. I I hope one day we can uh, get together in person once they allow us to move around a little more. It might be next year, but we'll see. Uh, and I thank you so much for sharing the book. And I also have three final questions for you uh, before we wrap up the program. The questions I'll ask you in a moment, I want to let our listeners know we're here. We're here Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., streaming live at richarddugan.com. The podcasts are on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, and many other locations that folks are reposting our interviews to. And I thank you for that. And uh, let's see, if you'd like to support us here on the program, there are PayPal and Patreon accounts for your security as well as mine uh, so that you can support what we're doing because you like the, the, the guests we have on and what they're sharing with us. And any amount is gratefully appreciated. We also will take energetic support. Please send us good energy. We, we can use that to, to keep moving forward. And uh, I thank you, thank you, thank you for those who have helped and those who will help. All right, so let me ask you question number one. And all these questions you might have answered during the program, but I like to ask them directly. And the first one is, who is B.J. Kittrich? 
I'm a mother and a grandmother who wants to make the world better wherever I am. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you're doing now? I would like to see the book catch fire so that there are seniors who have been thinking about what can they choose to do with their time. And I'd like to see a dialogue, maybe in families or in other situations, among the generations. And finally, what is your life's purpose? My life's purpose is to use who I am and any talents that I have to ensure that things are better than they would have been without me. And uh, by the way, that whole aspect of your book, Catching on Fire, here in Southern California, not literally, folks, not <laughs> literally, please. Uh, we thank you again so much, B.J. Kittrich, for joining us here on the program. And once again, uh, the, uh, the website that you want folks to go to is senioractivism.com. And we will be linked to your website. I want to thank you for listening to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And until our next broadcast podcast, love to lol. And we are clear. And I thank you so much. That was great. Thank you. I enjoyed it.